Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. A Dear Media original podcast. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Thursday for the same thoughtful support to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good like really good. And it will, I promise. Okay, guys. So today is the last episode of Good Instincts, but I just want to say that all of this is going to live on in perpetuity. So anytime you feel like going back and there is, I was, when I was preparing for this episode, I was trying to pick some of my favorite episodes and there are so many. So if you have not listened to all of them, there are truly so many episodes. There's over 200 and it was really hard to pick. And I was just talking to my producer, Olivia, about it because this episode, I really wanted to be like the lessons of this show, that there were so many episodes and I was trying to pick my favorites and my favorite anecdotes. And it was really hard. And it was also emotional because, gosh, there's so much information and so much went into this. And I've really cared so much and I really I really took it seriously that this was a cozy corner on the internet and and this is a cozy corner on the internet and that the people looked to this podcast as a place that they could go to feel supported and feel seen and feel heard and it was really hard to pick and as I was scrolling put it away and figured that it would just kind of come to me which it is and I think that if you think about the show and you think about kind of the pillars, I think about a couple big themes. And one of the themes that really, really has been pervasive throughout is this idea of good enough. And I've talked about it recently. And I actually was thinking about it because I remember years and years and years before I had kids, I remember my therapist kind of planting the seeds of what she believes is a really important concept, and I do too, which is the good enough mother. That I think that we obsess, obsess, obsess over how to make everything perfect, and that that can actually stand in the way of being really good. And that what we find is that our kids don't need us to be perfect. And that actually tends to like create more stress. And I definitely can relate to that. I feel like anytime I've been over the top with like, we have to go to this pumpkin patch or we have to do this and, and we have to take this picture and, and it's going to be great and everyone's going to have so much fun. No one has fun. And 
you know, I've really, I've really taken that idea to heart and I've also taken it to heart in so many practices in my life, but it also comes up a ton in my work with clients. The first that we kind of talked about was this idea of a C plus workout. And I've been talking about it a ton with clients who feel like they are not consistent in the way that they move that they'll take like a crazy berries boot camp class and then they're so sore and they're so tired and they don't want to go back and it ends up being like once a week or in a very sparse way. And I see it a lot with people who go all in and they're either all in or all out. And what I find is that they're kind of going too hard and thinking about it in this way that everything has to be like an A+. Plus. But what I found is this idea of what would it mean to do a C plus workout? What would it mean to like not do your best, but to do what feels good in a consistent way? And then you're kind of more likely to go back and do it more. I remember being in my 20s and truly feeling like you had to grind your body into the ground in order to make progress. And now at almost 38 and having had a kid and working out like three times a week for half an hour and then taking some like walks, I feel weirdly better than I ever have in a lot of ways. Like, listen, I think your body changes. Not everything is going to be the exact same as when you're in your 20s, but I weirdly do feel better and more connected and I feel good in my clothes. And I think there's something to be said for gosh, what it means for what if the thing that feels really good is actually the best thing for you? You know, it depends on what feels really good to you. And that I think could vary person to person. But I wish so badly I had known when I was younger that you don't have to kill yourself in that way. And that by killing yourself in that way, it makes it really hard to want to do that consistently. You get injured, you fall off the rails, you don't want to go back. But if you show up for yourself in a C plus way, like good enough, and you do that consistently over time, that yields better results. And I'm thought back to that episode I did with Megan Roop, which I really, really recommend. We can link, you know, some of these favorites at the bottom. But she was like, honey, my whole practice, my whole business is based on this. It's based for her on this idea of micro moments of movement, meaning that like not everyone has an hour. Not everyone has 45 minutes. What can you do in 20 minutes? What could you do in 30 minutes? And the truth is, is you can do a full body whole thing in 30 minutes, 20 minutes, relatively easy. There's tons of stuff online. I do recommend Megan Rube. I think she's amazing. Um, or anything that you find online that feels really, really good to you. There's this whole Will Cole thought of it is a privilege to move our bodies. And I really, really relate to that. I think, again, in the spirit of, I know for myself, truly burning my body into the absolute ground to come from that to like, gosh, it is such a privilege to be able to move today. Like, how am I going to fit in 20 minutes? How am I going to fit in 30 minutes? So that has been something that has come up a ton on this show, but it's also come up a ton in my practice and just like with friends. And I've really taken it to heart in the process of doing this show. But then with that, there's also this more recent idea that I came up with, which was the B minus cooking, which is that I think we have access to so much cool, beautiful recipe content 
that it can make us feel like we have to do something absolutely spectacular when it comes to food. I have this client. I have a number of clients who this is relatable to, but I think a lot of people will relate to this specific story, which is that I have this client who is such a perfectionist and she loves cooking, but every time she decides to cook, she picks this like elaborate recipe. She has to go to three different stores to get elaborate stuff. She's dirtying every dish known to man. And when she's done, she was like, that was phenomenal and I loved it and it's tasty, but I'm never doing that again. And it really disincentivizes her from making that a constant practice. I talked recently about another client I have who is a chef client. She has a restaurant and she wants to feed herself at home, but doing it is really hard. And it was really interesting to kind of figure out what that was, what that block was, because she can cook and does, and it's her living. And I think part of it was that she really felt because her ego was involved and because her you know, creativity in terms of food was so tied up in her income that doing something kind of low key at home felt almost like if this isn't spectacular, then who am I? Then am I really someone that can cook? Is this really something that I should be doing for a living? And it really messed with her ego a little bit. And the update on that is that she has been doing more Be Minds cooking. Maybe I'll I'll see if she's okay with me sharing some of those images. And it's like, to me, it looks like the coziest, yummiest food, but it enabled her to do more home cooking. Because I think if you work at a restaurant, there's a certain level of however many different flavor profiles you have to have in there. But home cooking is a lot more simple than that. But to me, that's the best cooking. And so she's been doing more of that. And I've been talking to a lot of clients doing more of that. And so I really do think that if that resonates at all with you, what would it mean to do a B minus cook that like literally there's five ingredients or less and it really doesn't need to be that spectacular in terms of the plating and everything. I do want it on a plate. I think there can be a propensity to eat out of the fridge or eat out of the container, but I I do like the idea of putting foods on a plate uh, to eat them, to enjoy them, to have the meal actually register. But what would it mean to cook in this way that it is B minus, it's not spectacular. You're not taking a picture of it for Instagram, but it's delicious and you're going to have more for the next day. I think it's really, really, really important. And the next is this idea that has come up in so many episodes on the show. It comes up so much in my practice and then it comes up so much in my own life and just in talking to friends. And it is this idea of what would it mean to, unfortunately, and this is really hard, in some cases, disappoint other people in service of not disappointing ourselves? And it can be related to so many things. I think about it more recently because we just had this whole discussion about Thanksgiving and when we're home for the holidays and when we're around a lot of people, we can have this propensity to want to do what they're doing and celebrate in the way that they want to celebrate and kind of go big in this way that isn't necessarily for ourselves. And one of the the other things we've talked about a ton on this show is this idea of indulging because it is something that is worth it to you feels incredibly good. But indulging because you feel like you're going to disappoint someone or you want them to think you're cool or there's ego involved, that never feels really good. So I do find that a lot of us, especially women, especially people pleasers, have this propensity to 
abandon ourselves and what we want and what's worth it to us in service of other people. And again, I'm not talking about like assholic behavior and like being mean to the people that we love and not being, you know, great in relationships. I'm talking about this idea of being comfortable with in some cases disappointing someone in service of not abandoning yourself. I talked most recently about it in terms of my client who in her relationship, she did a little bit of that. She thought that that would please him. She thought that might please his parents. She didn't want him to think that she was, you know, too much or too high maintenance. But this idea of like, what would that mean? And in that case, she was absolutely wrong in this way that I was very happy about. And he was so excited to like take care of her in this way. But what would it mean to kind of honor that more and more in ways where we abandon ourselves less and take care of ourselves more. And I think it's really, really powerful. Hey girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all, but then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. The other huge theme of this show is this idea that you know best. And we've talked about it in so many different ways, but I can think of two ways in particular that I think are incredibly powerful. The first is when we were talking to Dr. Sterling, who is an amazing OBGYN, and we were talking about it in terms of motherhood. And I think there are so many examples and so many rules of things that are kind of placed on you where you're looking outward to what other people are doing, when in reality, you have that intuition and you know what's best for you and you know what's best for your family. And she was talking about that in terms of when it's right to kind of forego some of the recommendations. And she was very measured and I really respect her. And nothing was inappropriate or off base, but there are these ways in which we are able to take these calculated risks based on what's worth it to us. And it's really up to us to decide for us and our families what's worth it to us. I feel the same way about, for instance, candy on Halloween. I feel like in that case, only you know. You know what's right for you and your family. I have tons of crunch crunch friends who take all the candy that they get on Halloween and replace it with all good candy or they bring their specialized cupcakes or treats or whatever to the birthday parties. And one would have thought that I would have been like that too. For me, that really wouldn't work for me. I don't want to make it so that there's so much energy around that for Oliver. I have a certain set of standards inside my house of what I buy. But when we're outside of the house, I'm pretty lax within reason, a lot more lax than people would expect. And for me, that is based on nothing except for I know what's right for Oliver. And I can use my intuition in that way. And I feel like honing that, but especially in terms of a whole other topic we talked about, which was the bio-individuality piece. I think we have 
so much access to health information right now that it is really, really hard to know what's right for us. We also have access to like every hot girl in a sports bra on TikTok telling us what she eats in a day. Who knows if that is actually what she's eating in a day. But I think that the reality is, I think it's fine. And I get a ton of really cool inspiration, especially in terms of recipes for a lot of things online. And it's free. It's interesting. It's in a lot of ways innovative. But we have to be able to flex that muscle of good for you, not for me. When we see something that doesn't really align with us, it doesn't really align with our values, it doesn't really align with our constitutions, a little red flag to raise and just be like, oh, you know, that sounds great. It sounds like it, it worked for you. And that's great. There's a part of that that I actually really like, and maybe I'll try that. But there's another part of that that like truly wouldn't work for me for whatever reason. And I think it's so, so, so important to flex that muscle of good for you, not for me, paying attention to our intuition in that way, paying attention to what we know in terms of self-knowledge. And that's the next topic I really want to talk about because it is probably the biggest pillar in my practice is having that self-knowledge. I think so many of us have been on so many different wellness journeys. And I think in a lot of cases, it's led us down paths that we don't love, that we're not proud of, that didn't feel good. That is all super valuable information to have. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that if you can look at those experiences as truly anthropological information and as clues as to what makes it hard for you to act in your own best interest, then you have a really important roadmap of how to sidestep those roadblocks in the future. So people get upset when they take steps back and it makes complete sense. And I get that more than anyone. Anytime you are on a plan and you're doing really well and you take some steps back, that can be so incredibly frustrating. But if you look at that with self-compassion, knowing that you're not doing self-compassion in this way that you're like, okay, fine, let's just go off the rails and it's not a big deal. But instead you're like, okay, I understand what happened here. What was it that was going on that made it really hard for me to act in my own best interest? Was it something that's preventable? In some cases, yes. In some cases, it was maybe a planning issue that there was no planning ahead, or maybe it was a dysregulation issue where you could have centered yourself a little bit more, or you could have centered yourself a little bit more during the meal. But in some cases, it kind of wasn't avoidable that something just kind of happens and it makes it really hard for you to act in your own best interest. And the thing is, no matter which scenario took place, it doesn't really matter. It's just important to know what it was so that we can understand that there are times in which there was really nothing that we can do. In that case, we got to forgive ourselves for the purpose of moving on and getting back into it. And there are some cases where we could learn from it and understand where we can place our energy more in the future. Because I think the thing is, is stressing about these things, beating ourselves up for these things, takes so much headspace when we could be taking that time and effort to figure out how we could set ourselves up better for the future. And speaking of the future, I do not think it would be right to not talk about future self because it is such a big piece of my practice. It has been such a big piece of this show. It was a huge piece of my book. And it is this idea of how do we connect to our future selves? Just as a little reminder, a little refresher in case anyone didn't listen along on those episodes, 
So many of us have a hard time showing up for ourselves in a way where we make decisions now that benefit ourselves later on. And when I was first starting out in my practice, what I found is I had all this knowledge and I really knew how to work with people and I really knew how to help people. And I would work with people and I would tell them the whole thing and I'd be like, here's the plan. I'll see you next week. And what I would find was, even though people were very motivated, a lot of times people had a hard time actually putting that in practice day to day. And it was really interesting to me because what I realized is that it is incredibly hard sometimes to forego something you want right now in service of a bigger payoff down the line. Now, there's also this whole other piece that it's complicated. We're busy, we're tired, we're stressed, all of that. But in addition to that, there is that thing of, having a bigger payoff down the line. And what I found was there wasn't a ton of research on this specifically, but there was a ton of research on financial savings. And it's kind of similar in that it sucks to forego spending something now in service of a bigger payoff down the line. But it is a good thing to do and it is a smart thing to do and we should all be doing that. In the same way, in terms of a wellness journey. And I've talked about this a million times that I think being healthy isn't always choosing the long-term goal over the right now want. But I think that if you are on a wellness journey, everything can be on the table, but not everything can be worth it all at once. So I think if you are on a wellness journey, there are going to be times when you are going to forego something that might be the thing that you want in the passing moment, but you want to kind of show up for yourself, whether that's your tomorrow self, your three months later self, or your year from now self. And it's a similar thing. And what they found in this research, it was a lot of the research was done by Hal Hirschfield, who we actually had on the show. I love that episode. I'm going to link it. But what they found was that people weren't saving for the future. And the reason why is because they did not have a clear connection to their future selves. In fact, many people thought about their future selves in terms of a completely different person. And it is very challenging to do your future self a favor if you don't even have any connection to your future self, if you kind of think of your future self as a random person. And I think about that the same in terms of food. And what we find is that the more connection you have to your future self, the easier it is to show up for yourself, the easier it is to not abandon yourself in service of kind of like, fuck it, it's not worth it. Or you know what? It's all ruined anyways. I may as well burn it into the ground. And the thing about it that I have also talked about is this is one reason in which brides have always really killed it because they can really connect with great specificity, not just how they look, but how they want to feel on their wedding day. And I think we would all benefit from really, really thinking about that. Our three months, six months, one year from now selves. What do we really want for ourselves? How do we want to feel? How do we want to feel in our bodies? Again, not just in terms of the way we look, truly how you want to feel. And it's really powerful and it's been really helpful. And I just, I really believe in it. I truly just glanced at my notes because I had made so many notes of episodes to talk about, but there are truly so many. So I, I again, I really do recommend going back. I'm going to link some of my favorites. The next one that jumps out to me is the episode I did with Ashley Neese about finding micro moments of rest in your day. And I think so much of my work comes down to how do we downregulate our nervous system when we need it? And it is such 
an insanely useful thing and important thing to have in your life, whether that is just for mental health and feeling good, but also connecting to ourselves and being able to take a minute to downregulate so we can make thoughtful decisions for ourselves. I love, love, love that episode. She walks us through this beautiful breathwork exercise. And I think she's phenomenal. And I'm going to link that as well. And then the last one that really has stood out to me and I have referenced so many times is with Mia James. And she has Give Me the Good Stuff online, which I really recommend just checking out. But her whole business is about finding toxic stuff in our products and in our lives and giving us ideas for better for you options. And you would expect someone like that to be I don't know, in some cases, kind of alarmist of like, you know, here's all the terrible things and kind of scare us into feeling like everything's toxic and everything's bad. But she had a really measured approach. And and it really speaks to the spirit of this show and what I want to leave you with. And again, what you can find for me going forward, I'm not going anywhere. But what she talked about that I thought was incredibly powerful was this idea of only focusing on things that are actionable. So we live in this world and there are not so good for you things that come up, whether it's in the soil, whether it's in our air, whether it's in some of these products. I think it's cool to be able to do what you can with what you have. Have certain standards if you want for what kind of foods you buy at home or what kind of products you buy at home and what kind of practices you have at home. But we know that when we step out into the world that there are things that come into our environments that we don't have control over. And I think that we can really obsess about those to the point where that is also unhealthy. And she talked about this idea of at one point being offered this testing for her breast milk and she could have tested to see if there were like heavy metals and plastics in her breast milk. And what she said was, oh my gosh, no, thank you. And the reason was because she already did everything that she could at home. She used all the glass. She she made all of her, the, the choices that were non-toxic. And if there were heavy metals and there were plastic, which potentially there were, there was nothing that she could have done and it would have broken her heart. So I think that in the spirit of this show, in the spirit of do what you can with what you have. It doesn't have to all be perfect. Do the C minus workout, do the B plus cooking, forgive yourself for having missteps. I think it all comes down to the same thing of truly being kind to ourselves, being measured in our approach and coming at it from this self-compassionate place. I really, 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 really want to leave you with that. So thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Come find me online at Shira underscore RD, ShiraRD.com. Find me, talk to me. Let's talk about it. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts, hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear Media Daily. 
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.